Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Wedgworth Leadership Podcast. My name is Kevin Kent, and I'll be your host for this episode. I'm excited to be joined by two Class 11 members today, Marcella and Morgan. We heard a lot of good feedback from our last episode, so we decided to give podcasting another try. We typically select class members to contribute to a blog post in which we include in the Wedgworth Wire. But after so much to unpack with each seminar, we thought we would continue our conversations and reflections in a podcast in order to share with everyone, whether you're in the field or on the road. So today we're highlighting our experiences from Strawn Seminar 6, our most recent seminar in the Fort Myers, Cluiston area. Before we dive into our reflection, though, let's get to know Marcella and Morgan a little bit. Marcella, we'll start with you. Introduce yourself. Tell us how you got involved in agriculture and natural resources, and tell us your favorite part of Wedgworth so far. Thank you, Kevin, for having Morgan and I here today. I'm very excited and happy to share my takeaways and my thoughts from Seminar 6 with my very extended Wedgwood family. My name is Marcela Lucio Chinchilla, and I am the Marketing and Sales VP for Silverbase. Silverbase is a company in Homestead, Florida, and we're one of the largest growers of Phalaenopsis orchids in North America. I am also a member of several committees with the FNGLA, one of them being the TPA committee, which I chair. I am also a member of the Floral Council for the PMA, the Produce Marketing Association. So uh, here sharing my thoughts, I have to say that one of the things that I enjoy the most about the Wedgwood program is learning about all the different aspects of Florida's agriculture. Getting out of my orchid bubble has been eye-opening to me. There is a tremendous amount of businesses out there that I didn't even know existed. It's just the exposure that we have received uh, through this program in, uh, regarding ag in Florida has been tremendous and is an experience I am treasuring. I will treasure for years to come. Thanks, Marcella. Morgan, let's hear from you. Introduce yourself. Tell us your involvement in agriculture and natural resources and your favorite part of Wedgworth so far. Hi, yes. I'm Morgan McKenna, and I work for McKenna Brothers. We're a citrus company. We do caretaking and harvesting in the Lake Wales um, Ridge and Flatwoods area. And my favorite part of Wedgworth is very similar to Marcella's. It's been very interesting to hear all the other two, more than one mind works better than just just my own thoughts or just my own ideas. And so getting help with that problem solving has been really interesting. And I, I hope to continue our building our networks. Thank you, ladies. This past seminar, we heard so many different perspectives on some of Florida's biggest issues. I'm really excited to hear about your perspective on all of these things we heard, places we visited, and the people we met. Marcella, let's start with you. Okay, so um, there were so many things that we learned in this past seminar that I decided to give like one word, um, a definite, a, you know, like one word to identify the takeaway. And I'm, I'm not going to say them in any particular order. Like the first one is not the one that I saw, like it was like the, the, the most, the biggest takeaway, but I'm going to start with change. Okay, that's my word for my first takeaway. Um, so in looking through the, the, the agenda for this seminar, um, there was obviously like Christy always packs the, 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 the week uh, with, with different uh, places to go to events, speakers, and you know that you're going to be super busy, but you don't, you don't know exactly what you're going to be learning or what's gonna, what are you going to be able to take home with you to your organization, to your personal life. 
So, you know, there's a lot of anticipation and here I am sitting in the first seminar and we have Dr. Nicole Stedman, Professor of Agricultural Leadership at UF talking to us and she starts talking about managing change as a leader. And just with that word, I went like, aha, I'm in the right place and this is the right moment because the company I'm working for has been undergoing tremendous amount of change in the structure, in the systems, in the software, personal, you name it. And the world itself has been undergoing a lot of change. Companies had to you know, reinvent themselves. Products had to be uh, recreated, rethought, uh, systems, services. I mean, you name it, change, change, change. The pandemic really just uh, had us moving much faster than we anticipated towards this change. So, okay, yes, we all deal with change as leaders and that's what we're trying to do, improve the world, right? the community, our industry. But what about understanding the resistance to change? And I really never stop about to think about resistance to change because in my mind, I have to make this change. This is why, this is how, and this is by when, right? You focus on the deadline, focus on the timeline. And if there's resistance, well, just push it aside. We got to forge ahead. But Dr. Stedman talked about three levels of resistance to that change. One is information, which is lack of information or lack of exposure to the information that's provided for that change. Level two is an emotional response, a resistance, because if I go through this change, will I lose my job? Will I be able to perform in this new role or with this new system or with this new software? And level three is deeply entrenched. It's a resistance that is deeply entrenched and it has to do with your personal history, with the company or the process or a cultural um, resistance. So once you understand these le different levels of resistance, you could start to respect those who resist by listening. You could start to embrace that resistance, relax, and then sometimes in the end, join that resistance. And then the process is going to be so much better. You know, it's going to it's going to probably be as a, a smoother road, or um, the the things that are going to be on the rougher side are going to be smooth smoothed out, right? So that is something that I that I really took away from the first talk we had that Tuesday morning with Dr. Nicole Stedman, managing change as a leader, and in that the resistance and how to understand resistance. So I'm going to agree with Marcella um, when Dr. Nicole Simon was talking to us about levels of resistance to change. And I kind of tied that back to what Mary Hartney, president of Florida Fertilizer and Ag Chemical Association and Wedgworth Leadership Class 8, um, said is Florida's biggest problem is our people and the misunderstanding of ag. And I as soon as she said that, I thought back to what Dr. Sedman said to us on that very first day of Seminar 6 of Level 1, where it's lack of information, lack of exposure. They're confused over what it means. I think we take for granted that a lot of us grew up in agriculture or at least familiar with it. And so a lot of the understanding and the exposure we have, we don't realize that not everybody gets that. Or when we do, we get so passionate about it. agriculture, such a passionate industry that sometimes we get defensive instead of help educate, help inform. Um, let's not make them more confused. We need to find ways 
to help them understand. And when she said a quote I really like of, we can't direct the wind, but we can adjust the sails. And we've been telling our story for Florida agriculture the same way for a very long time. And we're still under the microscope. We're still facing problems of making sure that our story is heard. And I think we have to wake up and realize that we might have to change those sales. We've got to find a way to tell our story better. And as I started reflecting back to Seminar 6, ultimately, the perspective of the message is what I kept coming back to as something that we've got to address and hold the mirror up and look, look at ourselves and what can we do to change, not just expect other people to change to us. Um, that's, like I said, I'm, I'm going to keep drawing from that same, same concept. Thanks, Morgan. I, you know, you both mentioned change, and I think that's in a really interesting topic to stop and think about, particularly because we often just deal with change. We don't stop and think about change and planning change and using change to our advantage. And so the takeaways that we had from Dr. Stedman and how to manage change, I think were really helpful um, and to kind of open our eyes and start thinking outside the box rather than just dealing with change. Let's, let's, let's use change to our advantage. Marcella, let's hear your next takeaway. Okay, so my next take takeaway, I, I called it a unifying message uh, from the Society of Friends of the Wildlife Refuge in, in Sunnyvale, uh, Ding, Dar Ding Darling National Wildlife Refuge. I, I, I hope I said that correctly. And uh, my takeaway with, with, with that particular session was a unified message, like I said. We had five different speakers, right? And they were all talking about um, the conservation of not only land, but wildlife. They were talking about the message that is sent out to the general public and also to the future of, of, of the community and the future are the kids, right? So the wildlife on wheels. And I know that, you know, Morgan mentioned that as well. And I have it in my notes and I, and I agree with her 100% because why not, like she said, a wildlife in, in about, um, sorry, uh, agricultural in on wheels, right? You know, I start envisioning a van with all these plants. In, in, in my case, in my industry that I deal with, with potted plants, with foliage, with orchids, and just showing the community how to take care of the product, why is it good for you, and just resonating that message across. We know we have problems in agriculture. And we know that many of these problems or these challenges, I would say, uh, we have some of the solutions to those challenges. We need to communicate that, you know, what are our challenges? Why are we doing X, Y, Z? And, and, and then we will have a better buy-in from the community in regards to agriculture and how to embrace it. I mean, I, I personally have been to Sanibel uh, a few times, you know, that's, that's one of the places that my family likes to go to, to vacation in the summer. I go with my two kids and my husband, and we go straight to the beach and we enjoy the beach and the water and the, the, the beach, the, the, the ocean, the birds. And I never had the opportunity to, or think about stopping at the Ding Darling National Wildlife. And it's such a beautiful refuge. It's like a little jewel that's hidden in this island. And to know that two thirds of the island uh, has been preserved so future generations could enjoy it. It's, it's, a, it's a huge undertaking. 
and that the, all these people that we were talking to from from the refuge, from the the water management district and the environmental policy director, they were all talking about the same thing, their same message. And I think that uh, agriculture needs to unite. Uh, we could unite and talk about what are the two or three messages that we want to convey out there for 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 the world to know about our challenges and and what are we wanting to to share with, with everybody else. So I really enjoyed our time out at Ding Darling Refuge. I my family goes out to Captiva every summer for as long as I can remember growing up and still and we drive by it. We've never stopped. So it was a great opportunity just to get out there and I really enjoyed it. Um, Kevin Godsey, he was with Southwest Florida National Wildlife Refuge Complex, and Sarah Ashton of Ding Darling Wildlife Society, Friends of the Refuge, were awesome. Um, they were talking about Ding Darling having a mobile lab that goes to schools to the kids that can't make it out to Sanibel. And I thought, what a great hands-on learning experience. They're bringing that exposure to the kids. They're, they're battling their own level one resistance of people like me that Passed it, saw the sign, funny cartoon sign, and kept going. You know, they're they're helping those kids become advocates of the refuge and of Florida's our wildlife, the mangroves, the birds, the everything. They're bringing it to them. Um, they're creating advocacy through education and partnership. And Sarah really was driving home that point. And I think we need to look at our agriculture and is there something we can do similar? What type of community outreach can we do where we're, those kids are young, they haven't formed a full opinion. Can we help educate them and bring that exposure before their, their minds have been made up? And so when they go to the store, they want to buy Florida orange juice or they want to still get a carton of milk. Um, I think what kind of mobile lab can we do? Is it a, a mobile farmer's market? Is it a, a more farming, you know, vegetable gardens at the school, um, a mobile milking dairy parlor, <laughs> you know, things to remind them that milk doesn't just come from the store. It comes from a cow. Um, I think that's a great opportunity for us to help influence before there's the resistance when they're still open-minded and it'll be cool to see these things and be hands-on and, help bring that exposure to our schools where they're going to probably live in Florida and be voters the rest of their life. Um, I think that's a great opportunity for our industry. You know, it's funny, both of you bring up um, visiting um, Captiva to go to the beaches there on family vacation and never stopping at the refuge. And it makes me think about, you know, we talk about, we talked a little bit about this, but how many people drive by our operations, our groves, our fields, and, you know, don't, don't even blink or think about, you know, what they are missing out on or what they don't know or what they're not seeing. And that disconnect that's created from that while driving down I-75 heading to Disney World. So I think this was a good wake-up call for us when we particularly start thinking about creating a unified voice for our industry. Marcella, let's hear your next takeaway. Okay, so so my next takeaway, again, is, is related to uh, the unified message, and it's, my word is communication. So we met with uh, Nyla Pipes, and she's the executive director of One Florida Foundation, which is a nonprofit organization. 
and uh, she talked about uh, again how collectively we all can make progress, right? And how we need to or we could utilize um, the, you know platforms, different platforms to communicate our message. Um, Twenty years ago, uh, in surveys, um, we would try to work on a message about sustainability. We talked about a program called Integrated Press Management, right, which is utilizing uh, microscopic organisms to uh, better combat pests instead of using uh, uh, chemicals. And when we started uh, talking about this, and we call it our Green and Green program, no one was listening, Kevin. You know, people were not into sustainability. That was not the buzzword. Now it is the buzzword. So you know what? Let's dust that off. It's nothing new. We continue to do it, but we stop talking about it because nobody's listening. Now our audience has changed. So since the audience has changed, then let's retake all those good practices that we continue to do that to us is a regular practice. It's, it's nothing new, but for the rest of the world, it is. To us, it's like a common nature. You know, yes, we do it integrated pest management, what is that? What, what does it mean? And then you start telling again your story. Time and time again through the different seminars, we have been talking about uh, telling your story. And because if you don't tell your story, right, somebody else will tell it for you and it will be wrong. And that's something that Naila really emphasized in. And I, and I wanted to, to also bring it up to the table because it's important. It's important uh, to, to do that, to get out, like I said at the beginning, get outside of your bubble and get outside of your comfort zone. Uh, this is getting out of my comfort zone, right? Having this po podcast and recording this with you, I'm very nervous about it, but I'm sure, you know, uh, I will be able to touch someone out there that is thinking, oh, sustainability, that's right. Let's, let's talk about that again. And so communication is my other uh, big takeaway for this seminar. Um, I think tying right into it is, it was again a different perspective, but when we were out at Dunwoody and listening to Nyla Pipes of One Florida Foundation, I think she gave us one of the best call to actions. We sometimes have such beautiful language or we, we talk a big talk and she reminded us to do it and to take the time and that it isn't easy to invest in telling your story, but you have to do it because if you don't, someone else will. And I feel like as the week of seminar six was winding down, uh, what she called us to action. And we, we always come to seminars and we get so charged up and ready to go. And she put our feet to the fire and said, you've got to do it. And you know, she referenced some of the organizations that maybe aren't always pro agriculture, they're having weekly calls to get their 10 talking points to be that unified voice. And one of not, it wasn't just about how to use social media for me. It was, there's so many outlets out there from Florida Citrus Mutual to Farm Bureau to FNGLA that are putting our policy talking points together. And we have to take advantage of those resources so that I can be an advocate. And if I and talking to someone, I can't just be focused on citrus. I've got to be able to tell that story to everyone. And it's going to invest. I'm going to have to read those emails that ping in once a week. Maybe it's worth reading them instead of just opening them, reading a few headings and moving on. Um, I've got to be able to be more well-versed and not just say, I want people to understand our industry better. 
I've got to be one of the people that will go out and help people understand our industry better. You know, it's interesting, and I could see everybody almost become frustrated when we heard that, you know, what these groups are doing, the time that they're spending on on this stuff, you know, on a weekly basis, right? But it's something that we're just going to have to realize and start to do. Like, we're going to have to make time in order to get on the same page and to have a unified voice and, uh, you know, come together as an industry. It's something that we're going to have to make time to do in order to uh, get ahead um, in the in the communication communications uh, side of things. So Marcella, let's hear your next takeaway. So my my next uh, takeaway is about uh, resiliency. That's my word for this one. Uh, we had the opportunity to meet, uh, to meet Alex Johns. Uh, he's the natural resource director of the Seminole tribe of Florida. And what a story he has to tell about his tribe, a group of people that have endured a lot of hardship throughout years and years. The, actually, the, the word Seminole is not an Indian name. Uh, the Indians, they, they are actually Creek Indians, not Seminole Indians. And why does, where does Seminole come from? From the 1500s when the Spaniards came and started conquering, um, they call the Indians the Cimarrones. And throughout the years, this, this word Cimarron start changing into what is today the Seminole. So it was not until the 1800s that the name Seminole came about to depict the, the different small Indian tribes that were left after obviously all this hardship and all these wars that they endured. It was not until 1940 that the Seminoles were um, considered or recognized as a tribe. And then not until 1957 that they were able to uh, be called U.S. citizens. So this, this just going through all this history of this tribe just made me think about how resilient they are and how today they are a self-sufficient uh, organization with uh, citrus, they deal with citrus, with cattle, uh, with sugar cane, which by the way he mentioned, and it's important to say this, that they are no larger in sugar cane because of the water quality issues and their proximity to Lake Okeechobee. They're very conscious about the fact that they're the last farm or ranch before the last you know, water lot, before the water spills into, into the lake. So they monitor the water quality coming in. They try to irrigate the pastures and let it filter before it leaves these pastures uh, to monitor again, like I said, the quality and make sure that it's even better quality when it leaves their area. So they're very conscious about their environment. Uh, like I mentioned, they're self-sufficient. They've had obviously an amount, a huge amount of, of, of challenges. Uh, even in 2006, when they acquired the Hard Rock brand name, which was supposed to be something very positive and very, to create financial stability for the tribe, um, when they started receiving, when the tribe members started receiving these dividends, it was a large amount of money, and they started noticing how their youth was dropping out of school, not wanting to work because they had all this money. So they had to, you know, again, change their their rules, change, you know, adapt, pivot you know, make some changes there and um, just teach them financial uh, responsibility, right? Get, have them to, to gain financial literacy and also have some policies where they needed to join higher education in order to receive certain portion of this money. So uh, very, very interesting uh, information uh, that we received from the Seminole tribe. Very proud to be there and to learn about it. 
and, and, and how we, we could adapt some of that resiliency that these wonderful people have. Thanks, Marcella. Morgan, let's hear your next takeaway. I think my next one is, is around us being united. Um, that has definitely been one of my, my favorite things about the program, as I said in the beginning. It's been really interesting to pull so many perspectives together. And I, I don't think we could have gotten a more awesome experience of feeling united and reminding us why we're in this program than when we were at Wedgworth Fertilizer under that pavilion, listening to Mr. Dennis Wedgworth and Mary Hartney. Um, Dennis mentioned in class one, when the sugarcane industry was facing the a penny a pound tax, his entire class got behind him and was advocates. He didn't have advocates just in the EAA. He had them across the state. And what a unique opportunity. And we, I think we've got to remember that. And Mary reminded us that we are united in Florida agriculture. And sometimes it's so easy to get laser focused on your particular industry's problems. I mean, being in the citrus industry, greening is you know, what if you ask a citrus grower the number one problem? Well, there's someone facing a lot of other hurdles in their industry as well. And a citrus guy needs to be able to be an advocate for the dairymen and they need to be able to be an advocate for the landscapers and horticulturalists and same for them for cattlemen and on to agritourism. And if we had that united front, I think our message would be loud and we could be one voice. And Mr. Dennis mentioned that Wedgworth Fertilizer is not a top-down, but a bottoms-up organization. And that is a true, not just for Wedgworth, but for the agriculture industry. We are boots on the ground, grassroots type of people. And if we carried our message that same way, I think we will continue to be more heard and more united and get our message out there. It was really cool to hear about, you know, the history of the organization and the impact that the Wedgworth program has had on the industry um, and individuals particularly. Marcella, let's hear your next takeaway. Okay, so my the, the, the final takeaway for this seminar, I uh, use the word repurpose. Okay, and we went to the Lee County Waste to Energy Facility, where we got to tour that facility and see all this waste being uh, segregated and, and tried to be salvaged in, in a way, right? So some of the, the, the waste went to create a power, electricity, then the, uh, they went into looking for any metal that they could resell. I mean, they were just very, very responsible about trying to not call this there's no such thing as trash right every everything there had a, a purpose a meaning a usage and and to me that was just amazing i came back thinking to myself gosh i really have to take a take a note of what my family of four is producing in waste because there's no need to produce such an amount of waste uh, uh, a, Per, per family. I mean, the, the, the most alarming thing in this in this conversation that we had with this company was that uh, by 2026, they will be already at capacity on, on the amount of, of, of ways that they could manage and they could put through their system. They are already obviously talking about, you know, uh, their vision for the next 30 years and things will will develop and there's going to be a new project, et cetera, et cetera. But, but it's, I mean, we're in 2021. 
you know, in a very few times, this, this particular facility of Lee County will be at capacity. So um, my message to everybody uh, today, and one that I took home and I'm trying to practice even more so now is, watch your waste. You know, let's, let's try to minimize the amount of waste that we are producing uh, because it's a lot. I mean, one of those claws that they have in that, in that facility, uh, those big metal claws that picks up the garbage and, and puts it in the furnace, one of those could power a Southwest uh, Florida home for six weeks. And, and in that claw, there is like four to, four to 6,000 pounds of, of, of garbage. So it's, it's just when you see that and you start putting the numbers together and you visualize the, the impact each one of us have, then it's, it's, it's magnified and you pay more attention to it. This stop was a eye-opener for me. Um, you know, it was really exciting to see what they were doing and how they were doing it and that they were thinking outside the box in terms of, you know, the the facilities they built, the partnerships they created with their communities and municipalities. And I left thinking like, this is a no brainer. Like, why are we not doing this uh, in every county um, across the state and repurposing all of these materials that would otherwise go to waste? Uh, I know there's dollars tied to that. And, you know, there's a lot of things um, that, that go into putting that partnership together. But it was exciting to see that companies like this were willing to, you know, think outside the box, develop these partnerships, these public-private partnerships to accomplish big goals uh, like this and to, you know, create change and think outside the box there. Well, I think what we saw too, not only were they having an impact on the environment and repurposing uh, materials, but they were also having an impact on the community, the jobs they provided, um, and you know what they were uh, able to collect and clean up. Like that's that's something big, and I think we do that a little bit in agriculture. You know, we do have a big impact on the community, but we've got to think about, you know, it's we've got to f- spend some more time there, and you know, we we feed the world. Uh, but we also need to make sure that we're having that impact on our local communities in order for everybody to understand what we do as an industry um, and help bridge that gap between the consumer and the industry. Morgan, let's hear your final takeaway. Yes. Um, Kind of tying right back to when Nyla was with us, I I'm often, my, in the beginning of her talk, I was nervous and I was like, well, I'm, I'm young. I'm still gaining experience. That's why I don't speak up. And that's why I don't, I'm not quite the leader yet. I'm developing. And I think back to when Mr. Hugh English was with us and he said to serve is to gain wisdom. And the only way for me to do that is to start speaking, speaking up. And I may fumble. It may not be the correct thing, but I will learn from that time. And like Mr. Dennis said, if you're doing the right thing, people will follow. So it may be a learning curve and I may, I may post on social media and get no, no response, but I'll try a different approach. I will engage in a different way. And the only way we will get that wisdom and become effective leaders is to try. So the next time you're at that board meeting and I'm hesitant to say something, I've got to take the leap and and speak up and say what I think needs to be said on behalf of our industry and learn from that. There's a lot of 
I think we reference them as the titans of the industry and they're there and they've been there, but we're going to need new titans eventually. And so we'll have to serve in order to gain that wisdom so that we can continue to be awesome advocates like we've had. Morgan, I think that's a great takeaway and, you know, something that I think our generation um, experiences a lot in trying to figure out and navigate, you know, trying to find our place uh, and and also represent the values uh, that we find important uh, when it comes to agriculture, our industry, our organizations that we work for. And so, I, you know, I think your inc- words of encouragement there are really important. Um, you know, when you are in that in that board meeting and you do have something you feel strongly about, your your perspective I think is extremely valuable, particularly as we transition um, into what's next? What's next post COVID? What's next in in terms of you know the future of agriculture? This next generation of consumers, uh, you know, I think that we're going to have to um, you know really think about this and and step up to the plate and, and become those next uh, titans and, and pioneers in our industry. So thank you ladies for taking time uh, to be a part of the Wedgeworth Leadership Podcast. I think we got some really cool takeaways from this past seminar. And, you know, I th- we see so much and we and we uh, hear um, from a lot of different people there. And I know it's challenging to pare it down into just a couple of takeaways, but thank you for sharing your top takeaways uh, with us on this episode up next, we're heading to Tampa uh, for the next Strawn Seminar. Really excited about the stops and places that we're getting to uh, visit there. So there you have it, our top takeaways from Strawn Seminar 6 in the Fort Myers, Cluiston area. A really big thank you to Marcella and Morgan for reflecting with us and sharing their experiences from the seminar. Thanks for listening.